Welcome to Sounds from the Shadows, the podcast where the Shadow Girls get together, talk about folklore, fairy tales, storytelling, other stuff. It's... And there's snoring dogs. Yep. It's been a while, we're trying it... to remember. Yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been, oh god, it's been, how long? Too long. Eternity. Yeah, the world is, the world is, the world has changed. It has. Oh, I'm Georgia. Oh, and I'm Emily. <laughs> and in the background you may hear some faint snuffling. That will be the snoring doggos. Uh, they are back to join us. Looking adorable. They're very sleepy. So what are we what are we talking about today, Georgia? That's a very good question, Emily. What are we talking about? We're talking about apples. Yes. Which there's there is a lot. Uh, yeah, it was it was great suddenly being like, oh we're gonna do another podcast. Okay, right, apples, let's look that up. And I will admit, I googled Irish stories apple and uh, all I got was that bloody court case that we're not going to talk about. <laughs> Very what, different what, what, area. What, 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 court case? Nothing, what? no. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. we were looking at stories. Stories about apples, mm. which uh, there are loads. Um, so I've, I've picked one, and it's not Snow White. Yeah, we're being really alternative today. I didn't choose Snow White all, either. Yeah, because when you think of fairy tales, apples, Snow White is the one that immediately pops up. Mm. Even though the apple isn't used in all the versions. Oh. Yeah, like in some versions it's a magic pin that oh. then gets pulled out. And the apple is only like the third attempt at the queen makes to kill her. Really? Yeah, well in the Grimm's version she tries a poison comb, oh. which is stuck into her scalp. Oh, yeah. Uh, with the dwarves just pull out. She tie, tries like a magic belt or a corset, which she laces so tightly she can't breathe. Yeah. Which the dwarves just unlace uh, and then finally she uses the apple which gets stuck in her throat oh the poor dwarves because can you imagine they've saved her twice and suddenly oh it's devastating yeah. yeah and it's in the original Grimm's version it's not a kiss that saves her the princess and his companions are carrying her on their shoulder in her glass coffin and one of them trips oh. and it's sort of when she's dropped she kind of jolts and that jolts the apple out oh because it's caught in her throat yeah. sort of idea oh yeah, like an accidental Heimlich Oh, yeah. Oh, I like that. It's more medically accurate, I guess. <laughs> if even. So if you find uh, an unconscious princess on the ground, check for poison combs, corsets, and if that doesn't work, see if there's something stuck in her throat. And then put her in the recovery position and call an ambulance. Yes. <laughs> yes. Probably do that pretty early on. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, and we have spoken about Snow White already. Damn, it got to us. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Apples. Um, they've got a lot of symbol symbolism. Huge amount, yeah. Mm, sort of a lot to do with like fertility and mm. knowledge. Yes, indeedy. Um, I, I definitely, <laughs> I went right back to the beginning. Well, not really. When did the Bible start? I, I went back to the, I guess the Genesis story about original sin, Ooh. which was interesting for me because I, I went to a kind of essentially non-secular, no, is that the word? As secular? Mm. Oh, sorry, a, yeah, sorry, a secular school, essentially. Like, we weren't taught um, religious education or anything for my secondary, so I, I hadn't really read the Bible in, I'm not going to give away my age, years. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't read the Genesis. Um, I think the bit, I remember as a teenager, I did read the book of Revelations because... You know, you're a teenager, of course, so you're going to read something called the Book of Apocalypse. Yes. All and horsemen. It's like, you don't need to do drugs, you can just read this. <laughs> exactly. Get just as much of a hit out of it. 
But yeah, it was it was it was interesting going back and actually and, and reading particularly Old Testament. And now I'm going to disclose that obviously. So when when we do refer to the fruit or the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden, Eden like it's not strictly speaking an apple. If if these events did in fact happen um you try to be very respectful here because i'm not a spiritual Mm -hmm. person it's uh it's not necessarily true that it was an apple people talk about it having possibly been a pomegranate pomegranate is that how you say that word there's a lot of m's and n's um or a fig or even a banana i think emily was saying on qi they said it might have been a banana yeah so it could have could have been anything really um but but it's interesting that it, it does tend to be um, yeah, we've depicted it in at least in Western art as as the apple. It's an apple. Yeah, and hence even hence even with Snow White, I mean, there could be an influence there in that it's a kind of a temptation sort yeah. of thing. And even I mean, if anyone remembers the cover of Twilight, yeah, wasn't one, that an apple? Yeah, there was an. I think not in the original cover because um, mm. I do remember before Twilight became big, seeing it in the bookshop and it was sort of like a, a picture of like a gothy girl, but it was sort of blurred. Oh. Or that might have been a different book with a similar background similar blurb to Twilight. Yeah, and it was sort of in the hands like that. So it's it's something that definitely like you, you see in areas that are, you know, you sort of forget or even connected in any way. So anyway, I'm going to stop being boring and crack on with the story. Shall I read this? Yes, please. All right. Okay, so I've taken this from the King James's Bible. I've skipped ahead a little bit. So Adam has been created and all, all that. Right, so yeah. Um, minus one rib. Yes, minus one rib. That's uh, that's all happened. So... <clears throat> Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Hmm. Then the serpent said to the woman, I feel like I should do voices. (laughs) Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they... I'm just going to say, I'd love to imagine that that was literal, that they were wandering around with their eyes shut. Yeah, just literally bumping into things, and then suddenly they see each other. And then they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he, the Lord God, said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The the, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she, she she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? I'm really enjoying this now. (laughs) The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Oh, this is going to be tough. Because you have done this, 
You are cursed more than all cattle, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust, and all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I recommend, no, I commanded, sorry, I didn't recommend, I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Oh, rough. Um, and then, of course, yes, yeah, so they, they get... They get thrown out yeah. um, because there is another tree. Um, this tree. Th- there's another tree? There's two trees, yeah. Two trees? Um, yeah, I got confused about this. There's the tree of knowledge. There's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm-hmm. And then there's the tree of life. Oh. And there is a reference, I think, yeah, at the end there. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard reference to the tree of life. Because God says... I thought they were one and the same. Um, see, apparently not, because, okay, so the end of it does say, Behold the man, so God says, Behold the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil, and now lest he put out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever, therefore he sends them forth. So it's almost as if, like, so he's got the knowledge thing and he doesn't want the, now I'm not an expert in the Bible, I will admit. (laughs) I'm sorry, but I've just now started to think about Narnia. Oh. Because in the, um... In the last book he wrote, which is the first book in the series, The Magician's Nephew, mm. I think, now it's been a while since I read them, so this is, this is again, Emily's vague recollections, <laughs> um, I think they are sent off to find the Tree of Life, which is an apple to, to help cure someone. Oh. Um, and they, they bring back an apple, and then the, the nephew brings the apple back into the human world and plants it as a tree, and then that tree is cut down and made into the wardrobe. Oh, goodness. Yes, and, and like all of the Narnia books are sort of a vague Christian allegory. Yes, Lewis thing. Was, was, was pretty big on that. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, liked his, he liked his symbolism. That's intriguing. No, I do remember that from The Magician's Nephew. Now, the problem is the biggest thing I remember about The Magician's Nephew was um, aged like two, chewing off the, the spine of it. <laughs> I liked chewing things. Uh, so you had good taste. I did, I definitely did. So there's, yeah, there's a lot in that story that we, like, we all associate it being an apple. Mm. And apples have become... I don't know if it was apples were before or apples became, but apples are sort of a symbol of wisdom and knowing, but also temptation and sin. Yeah. And there's... And it's... Yeah. Well, the, the interesting thing with the temptation I found uh, upon rereading this is that... Um, so God... Like, God says... You know, look, no offence. I'm looking at this as a story, not as a, the religion. But God says, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Right? Mm-hmm. They eat it and they don't die. Well, may- oh, maybe it's the consequences because yeah. you eat it, I chuck you out of the garden, then you die. Mm. So I wonder, I suppose it depends on whether, would they have stayed alive forever if they'd stayed in the Garden of Eden? Maybe. Oh, 
Oh, good point. Good point. I don't know. Now, I do think he's being a bit ambiguous with that statement. Yeah. Uh, whereas the serpent, actually, to be fair to the serpent... Um, the serpent's pretty straightforward. He's very straight with them. He says... Um, do, 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 you won't die if you eat this fruit. It's not poisonous. Yeah, you shall not surely die, for God knows that... In the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. That's all he says. And, well, I say he, I mean, I think they refer to him as a he. Uh, But it's interesting then that when God is asking Adam, did you eat? And he says, well, my wife made me eat or got me to eat. And then he asks the woman, like, what what is this you have done? And she says, the serpent deceived me and I ate. But the serpent told her the truth. Exactly. So maybe with the tree of wisdom, they've learned how to lie. I think that's really interesting. I think, yeah, it, yeah, it must be. I mean, Adam, no, Adam is truthful with God there, but but, but he's also yeah. trying to shift the blame. He is. He he is actually because he mm. maybe he did still freely eat, um, and and I mean, Eve wasn't pinning him down and pushing the apple into his mouth. She said, "Hey," as far as we know. <laughs> I mean, maybe she was, but uh, yeah, it seems to be more like, "Hey, I've just eaten this this tree we're not meant to eat of, and it's tasty. Do you want some?" Yeah. Whereas Eve, pretty outright, says, um, you know, the, the serpent deceived me. But no, like she, I mean, she goes to look at the tree. She sees that it, it's good for food, that it looks nice mm-hmm. and that it will bring her knowledge. Yeah. And I, I guess like, I, I find that interesting because I definitely be someone who I like knowledge. I like yeah. learning. I like researching things and getting to the bottom of things. I think that curiosity is really important. And uh, I'm going to say it. I'm glad Eve did it. Even if it means that we are cursed <laughs> with great sorrow in conception it bringing yeah having considerable pain bringing forth children and all of that awful things yeah maybe it was worth it maybe 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 but it's interesting that it's a snake because um sorry there's some background noise going on i don't know if the mic's picking it up but snakes i think we've mentioned it before snakes used to be fertility symbols and in some places still are i didn't actually know about that because i know apples i came across in my research of apples definitely seem to be lots of apples um because snakes were associated with like the earth and the mm, Earth Mother. Instead of Gaia sort of yeah, thing. So you, you find like a lot of snake cults are fertility sex cults. Oh. Which then get sort of wiped out and vilified. Mm. Oh, that's fascinating. There's also, I don't know, snakes sort of phallic imagery or something as well. I, I, I sort of don't really... I don't know a lot about snakes. Yeah, to no be really honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All I know is that apparently they lost their legs because of these events in the Bible. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and from now on you shall crawl, so... Were snakes walking around before? I think that's all I took as a child <laughs> from this story was like, oh, they had legs before that then. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, Though I do now have in my head Aziraphale and Crowley from Good Omens. Yes. Just standing on the wall going, was it a bad thing for them to learn the difference between good and evil? Yeah. Oh, I loved that series. Um, so did I. It was just so... It was just, uh, I, it was, I think I watched it at the beginning of lockdown, which was quite same. funny because it was, oh, we probably watched it at the same time. Um, but it was funny because it was like, because um, it was so sort of like end of the world and then outside I was going, it's, it's end of the world. It's okay. <laughs> I'm just not allowed outside. But they do. So even in the King James's version, like they make a reference um, to, and a flaming sword, which turned every way to guard the way to the tr- to the tree of life hmm. so the tree of the tree of life is protected by that flaming sword yeah. or it was supposed to be watch the series <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great fun or read the book though i'd say watch the series because neil gaiman wrote in sort of like an extra chapter half an episode of what has Zerophel and crowley have been getting up to over the centuries yeah and it's just all the feels it's oh it's just really sweet it's very and it's yeah it's a great story they've got some great lines yeah. there's a very feisty little girl 
who uh, has a great line towards the end. I'm not going to spoil anything, but I was like, she's, yes, she's queen. Awesome. Pepper. Pepper. She's great. Yeah. yeah. But, um, anyway. Um, yes. So, so that's uh, the original. The original apple. Apple. Yeah. <laughs> not quite. <laughs> and so I've got, a, I've got another apple story, which mm-hmm. comes from, again, quite long, long ago, because I went to look at the ancient Greeks, because on the recommendation of a friend, Nisha, if you're listening, thank you for your recommendation. Thanks, Nisha. I got off Audible Stephen Fry's Mythos and his Heroes things, which is great because it's not only him retelling Greek myths, it's him reading them to you. Yeah. So it's Stephen Fry's reading me a bedtime story. <laughs> and he's very good and he does very good voices. But one of the stories was the story of Atlanta, who was an ancient Greek hero. And unlike a lot of the ancient Greek heroes, she was a woman. Yay, represent. I know. So she has she has her whole whole home sort of series of stories. But when she was born, her father, whose name was Is Isaias. I'm gonna say Isaias. I might be pronouncing this wrong. It's I A S U S. Sounds good to me. Yep. Uh well when she was born, her father was really annoyed that she was a girl, because he wanted a baby boy. And so he abandoned her into the woods to die. Which wasn't that uncommon. Yeah. Of sort of just leaving babies to die of exposure. But luckily for her, she was found by a bear. Oh. Yeah, and the bear uh, raised her and suckled her until, you know, she was old enough to walk around, at which point she was found by some hunters, trained up uh, to be a hunter, and she was the greatest hunter, fastest on foot, greatest bow woman, and so naturally became a devotee to Artemis, the goddess of the hunt. And being a devotee to Artemis, not that interested in men, Mm. at least not as romantic sexual partners. More important things like hunting. Hunting. And she went up and had a load of fun adventures. In some versions, she joined Jason and the Argonauts. In other versions, Jason turned her down because he was like, one woman on a boat full of male heroes, it might go wrong. Oh, yeah. So she, she may or may not have been on the Argus. She took part in the hunt for the, the Caspian bull. I, no, boar. This big magic evil boar. And gained a huge amount of fame. And that's when I'm going to begin this story of her because her father having heard that his daughter had become this very famous hero suddenly welcomed her back typical i know <laughs> darling darling you you're you are better than any boy come be my child be my heir and now we must find you a husband mm-hmm. atlanta was not too pleased with this idea because she quite liked being a, a virgin huntress but her father talked and persuaded with how she was the last of his line, and if she did not marry and produce children, their family would die out. And so Atlanta decided to make a compromise. She would marry, but she would only marry a man who could beat her in a foot race. And Atlanta could run faster than the wind. She knew no man could beat her, but heroes came and challenged her to the foot race, and she told them if they did not win, their heads would be the price. But still, they did not believe that a woman could be faster than them. And so the races were run, and Atlanta won every single one, and the heads of the would-be suitors were placed upon spikes. And so this continued, and Atlanta remained happily unwed, until a young man, called in some versions Melodon, which I may be pronouncing wrong, in others in others Hippomenus. Sorry, I, I did look at these names before, I'm just not good at pronouncing Greek names. <laughs> okay. So either Melodon or Hippomenus came and saw Atlanta and fell madly 
in love with her. But he knew he didn't have a chance of beating her in the foot race. He wasn't even as fast as the heroes who had failed, but he was so madly in love he was willing to risk his life. And so he went to the temple of Aphrodite, goddess of love, goddess of lust, goddess of beauty, who likes messing around in the lives of mortals. <laughs> and he prayed that she would send him some sign, some gift, some way to win the beautiful Atlanta. And Aphrodite seems to have been in a generous mood that day because she answered his prayers. She gave him apples, golden apples, beautiful, shining, divine golden apples. And he knew what to do with them. He went to Atlanta and challenged her to a race. Atlanta was sad to see this young man who was now about to die, but if he was willing to risk it, that was his choice. And so the two lined up for the foot race. People came together to see the race run, even though they knew Atlanta would be the winner. But they began to laugh because the young man had a huge sack on his back. How was he expecting to be able to run so fast when he was barely managing to hold this sack? And so the race began. And of course, Atlanta was faster than the wind. And the young man was struggling behind her to keep up, carrying his sack, when he suddenly stopped, reached into the bag, and pulled out one of the golden apples. He threw it forward, and Atlanta saw a flash of gold which distracted her. She ran off the track following it, picked it up, and saw the most beautiful apple, the most beautiful golden apple, and when she saw it, she couldn't put it down. But she turned and saw that she had been overtaken in the race, and so she ran, and she soon overtook him. But again, the young man reached into the bag and threw another apple. Again, Atlanta stopped, picked up the apple, dusted it off, admired it, but then she took off again and again she overtook him. The young man reached into his bag a third time, pulled out a third golden apple and threw it as far as he could off the racetrack. Atlanta ran off the racetrack following the golden apple. She followed it, it rolled, it got stuck under a bush and while she was tugging and tugging he overtook her. She managed to pick up the third apple, trying to carry the three in her arms without dropping them and tried to overtake him, but every time she was about to overtake him in the race, one of the apples would drop and she would stop, pick it up, and then almost overtake him again, but then the apple would drop from her hands, and so that way, he won. And he won the hand of Atlanta. And Atlanta, though she had not wished to marry, found he was a rather good companion. He joined her on her hunts. He wasn't threatened by the fact that she was a greater bow woman than he was or the fact that she was faster than him when not being distracted by golden apples. <laughs> and so in the end, she became reasonably content with her husband. And the two of them went back to the temple of Aphrodite and offered up the golden apples as thanks. And the story would end there. <laughs> but of course, this is a Greek story. Those are the Greeks. Yeah. And like you'd think the Irish myths uh, go on weird things. No, I, I thought that the Greeks would... I thought I knew the Greek myths, but... I didn't know all of the twists and turns <laughs> because I learned most of them from uh, like my my children's books. Mm. Like I dug one out before, um, like Atlas's Hundred Greek Legends, which is yeah. a very nice book, uh, but does sanitize some of the versions. Yeah, because the story doesn't end there. For some reason, Aphrodite became a little bit annoyed with the newlywed couple. Uh-uh. Maybe they hadn't quite thanked her enough, or maybe they were just a little bit too happy. Or maybe she was just in a bit of a mood. 
But either way, she decided to have a bit of fun with them. So one day when they were in the temple of either Rhea or Sable. How's it spelled? S-Y-B-E-L-E. Sibele? I don't know. In the temple of either Rhea or Sibyl, depending on different versions. She had them overcome madly with lust. In fact, so overcome with it that they couldn't keep their hands off each other. And so there, in the temple, uh, they... What's a polite euphemism? Merrymaking was one I came across when looking at Irish legends today. They they made merry with each other in the temple, which the goddess was not pleased about because she deemed that they had defiled her temple in such Mm. a way. And so she punished them by turning them into lions. A male lion and a female lion that would pull her chariot, which she deemed to be one of the greatest punishments for these lovers because the Greeks believed that lions could not mate with each other. They thought you got baby lions from a lion and a cheetah. And so she deemed that the lovers, though they would be together forever, they would never be able to make love. <laughs> Which I like to imagine them just laughing quietly and going, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's totally how lions work. Oh damn, this is, this is really tough. It's a terrible punishment. Come here, honey. <laughs> <laughs> and so they became, they became immortal lions. Brilliant. Yeah, I, I think that would be a great excuse as though, like, as long as the act was, like, consensual. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I, 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 Aphrodite was playing tricks with me. I, we were we were overcome with lust. I'm sorry mm-hmm. for making love in your, uh, on your coffee table or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I always feel like God's interference, like, the stories we get from them. How often did that come from people just making up excuses? I mean, <laughs> unexpected pregnancy must have been Zeus. Oh, yeah, all I the mean, time. I, um, yeah. th- there was a bull near me. And a swan. Either of them could have been Zeus. Yeah, who knows? Maybe both of them. Maybe. At once. Or it, it was a shower of gold. <laughs> oh, the Greeks are... I, I must, I must go, go have a look at that mythos because, yeah, it sounds it, brilliant. It's great fun. Um, and he, he gives them such character. Mm. They're, they're brilliant. Because his accents in the Harry Potter series were brilliant. I really enjoyed those. Uh, I think my favourite thing was he... Because he's reading them, he gives all the heroes, you know, accents. But most of them are various Asians of British accents. Mm. So he was telling the story of Perseus, and Perseus, I think, has a Yorkshire accent. <laughs> and Andromeda is Welsh. Oh, wonderful. And they're just great. And um, I can't remember his name, but the guy who's doing the trials for Hercules has a Northern Irish accent. <laughs> just drop in randomly. Yeah, which, which just suits them. Yeah. And actually, speaking of Hercules, Hercules also went on a quest to find some golden apples. He did. Yeah. I don't remember this one, though. Yeah, I've, I can't remember whose garden it was, but there was a magic garden. Mm. with a dragon guarding an apple tree which is a theme and these apples could not be plucked by a mortal mm. but uh, thankfully Atlas was nearby holding up the sky because Atlas yeah, Atlas was a titan who Zeus punished by saying well you have to hold up the sky now what happened to the sky? Uh, he let go? well he couldn't let go that was, the, that was okay. his whole thing mm. so Hercules says if you go pluck those apples for me I've already killed the dragon I'll hold the sky up for you oh uh, and that's what he did and Atlas was like oh brilliant I've been freed and Hercules like, you're going to take it back. No, I'm not. Yeah. Uh, but he manages to trick Atlas into taking the apple, taking the sky back and yeah. he, you know, gets to go do his apples. Very good. Very good. And Sneaky think, there. I think the Trojan War is also started by apples. I did see this as well, wasn't it? Um, oh, goodness. Was that something to do with, there were three goddesses. Oh, you know this one about the goddess who, yeah, it was, the party it, she got. Yeah, there was a you know, big feast of all the gods and having great chats. Uh, but... I think it was the goddess of chaos, and I think it might have been Hecate. 
I think I think it was definitely it began with an H. Sorry, my research is thin. Hecate is like goddess of witchcraft and things. Mm. It might have been her. It was certainly someone who's a bit chaotic, who they didn't really want to come and spoil the party. Mm. And like a fairy godmother, she did not take well to not yeah. being invited. So she threw into the crowd a golden apple that had written on it to the fairest. And of course, who is the fairest? Yeah, there was a big argument between... It was a uh, Hera... Aphrodite, Aphrodite and Athena, I think. Yes, I think so. Yeah. And so they all start squabbling about, no, I'm the fairest. No, I'm the fairest. It's a pity they didn't have a magic mirror. <laughs> yeah. And then um, they go to Prince Paris and say, you know, if you say I'm the fairest, I'll give you this. If you say I'm the fairest, I'll give you this. If you say I'm the fairest, I'll give you Helen of Troy. <laughs> so guess who won? Yeah. Or yeah. Helen of Sparta, as she was then. Yeah. Um, yes, that was a bit premature. Um <laughs> Yeah. Oh goodness, the Greeks. Yeah, yeah. I. It was interesting because I. I did. I did try and see if I could find more apple stories in Irish mythology, and I. I ended up coming across quite an obscure one where I couldn't. I couldn't make sense of the original text. Oh. Um, I really struggled with it. I don't know if it's just. Um, I'm not so used to reading sort of older texts, um, but I think it might have been like a damaged text or something mm. like that. So maybe it wasn't whole. There is a story of Balia and. Uh, I think Aelin, I guess. It might depend on the dialect. It. So I'm just going to say Bolia and Aelin, um, which is actually referenced in a Yeats poem, obviously. He loved loved these stories. So apparently, according to the Oxford uh, OxfordReference.com, this is this is a story from the 11th century. Bolia was heir to the Ulster throne and the tragic lover of Aelin, we know where this is going, <laughs> of Leinster in the 11th century story, Scale Bali Bin Beilig. The story of Bolia of the clear voice. Oh. I love that. Bolia was making his way south from Eamon Macha when he was told falsely that Aelin, his lover, had been killed and died himself of grief. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Travelling north, Aelin, who was going to meet him, was told of Bolia's death and she too perished at the news. After their deaths, a yew tree grew from his grave and an apple tree grew from hers. Poets and seers cut down the trees. Uh, those from Ulster turned the yew into tablets or writing and the, man of Len- the men of Leinster used the apple. And so in Yeats's poem, it's quite sweet. Like, it's, it's a long poem and I will admit I'm not the biggest fan of Yeats. So I skipped to the bit that's specifically about, about the apple tree um, and the yew tree. And it says, A yew tree where his body lay, but a wild apple hid the grass with its sweet blossom where hers was, and being in good heart, because a better time had come again, after the deaths of many men, and that long fighting at the ford, they wrote on tablets of thin board, made of the apple and the yew, all the love stories that they knew. Aww. So it seems to me that, um, now I'm sure Yeats took some creative license there, but, um, and that poem, sorry, is Balia and Aelin from 1901 by Yeats. Um, it seems to me that they, they sort of, perhaps they were in a relationship um, when those provinces were at war together. And I think there was some sneakiness when it came to uh, to uh, tricking them and yeah. them dying. Maybe Romeo and Juliet. Incredibly, yeah. Um, and then, uh, so when they uh, when they pass away, I think then there's war for a long time, which he references there. And then finally, when it's peaceful, um, yeah, I just love that idea of them. I, mean, I was a bit sad that they cut down the trees, but that they then wrote love stories on them. I so. I uh, didn't do Irish, but when you said Balia, what came to head was Balia or Clear, being said yeah. by the Lewis woman. <laughs> Balia or Clear. And I cannot remember where Balia or Clear is. That's Dublin. Is that what Dublin means? Du- yeah, Balliochlea is Dublin. I thought Dublin was Dublin. 
So actually, or is it Irish both, and Viking? So both of them are names for Dublin, and um, I think I think you're right. I think one of them possibly is the Viking one. I because obviously Dublin would have been the anglicised version of Dublin, but Ballyoghlia, which is oh, Blackpool. Yeah, Ballyoghlia. I'm not. I'm not. So I actually have completely forgotten what that we, means. We need Shannon. She's the Irish speaker. <laughs> or Orla. We will. We will uh, update you after this. Um, so what does Balia so mean? Balia is town. Town. Um, which is so now his name is spelt the same way. Now I d- I think so he is town. <laughs> I think his name is like more f- more ancient Irish, which I am not yeah. familiar okay. with at all. So I, I sort of just pronounced it because he could be Bale, um Otherwise, oh. Irish is a very complicated language, um, which I don't speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I want to I want to learn it again. I um, also yeah. on a, on Yeats mentioning apples. Mm. Um Yeats one of his famous poems is The Song of Wandering Ingus, which annoys me because he turns this beautiful love story of Ingus looking for the woman he loves who he saw in a dream, which has the original if you're a bird, I'm a bird because when he finds her she's been turned into a swan mm. and he can't undo it, so he turns himself into a swan to be with her. Oh which is really nice. Yeats then turns this story into a tale of a stalker who wanted to bonk a fish. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yay. again. Yeah, but in the last bit, he's talking about how, you know, he's, he's wandering and he'll find this woman who's run away from him. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll find her and, you know, he'll kiss her lips and take her hand and they'll walk through dapple grass and all that lovely stuff. And then the golden apple, sorry, the silver apples of the moon, the golden apples of the sun. That's a nice image. I mean, now, no means no. No means um, no. And um, if, a, if you catch a fish and it turns into a woman, screams your name and then runs away. <laughs> Can we do that story we? sometime? <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, do, we'll do a whole episode on uh, stories Yates has messed up. Actually, you know what? Yeah. Yeah, I'm in. Because, <laughs> I mean, Yates, lovely poet. No, that great of a man. Weird person. Weird person. Mm-hmm. Weird, weird Very. Let's do, let's do a Yates episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just one um, more Irish and silver apples thing that I'd forgotten. Mm. There is a story about Cormac MacArt, who, he shows up a lot in the Finn cycle, and he might have been a historical king. It's sort of one of those things where you're like, maybe they're historical, maybe they're mythical, maybe they're a bunch mm. of people put together. But he's described as like the Irish Solomon, who's meant to be very, very wise. Oh. Except he accidentally traded his wife and two children away one time for some silver apples. Not so wise. Not so wise. <laughs> See, he made a deal with the fairies without reading the fine print. Oh, gee, no, never, never do that. Especially not with the fairies. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So that's another story. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Which I'm sure Yates has referenced somewhere. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah. No. Um. I think there. It's interesting. I think there is more to be looked at in Irish mythology. Um. I know. I definitely came across references to do with sort of um a silver branch, which was often a silver branch from an apple tree. Sometimes it had apples on it. Sometimes there were silver apples. That is. It comes up in stories of Tyrion and Og, mm-hmm. and it seems to be a kind of um, you know, if a mortal has has access to a silver branch, if they're carrying one when they attempt to. To go to Tyrion, yeah, crossover. Um, then it's kind of like a passage. Yeah. And I did. Now I didn't manage to read it for today, and um, I I would love to go through and and, and um, see if there's anything useful to refer to again. There was an essay I came across that was kind of about the interesting thing about 
apples in, in Irish mythology, you know, when you consider how our mythology was sort of changed when Christian mm. influences came in. And then that idea of like the apple, I suppose, in, in I suppose in Christianity, if if we take the yeah. that definition or that version of the origin original sin um the apple being a sort of like negative symbol or a temptation one it was sort of both it was like wisdom yay Mm. good sin bad yeah and i think i was watching a thing by the youtuber ask mortician caitlin who does some really interesting videos but about victorian grave markers because if you look at victorian graves they loved their symbolism and apples if you saw apples on someone's grave like carved onto the gravestone they might have been an adulterer Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, interesting. So it is lit- a literal sin sort mm. of thing. What? Didn't know that at all. And if there's lambs, it's probably a bit uh, child. Oh, oh, oh yeah. goodness, yeah. Let's check out that. Yeah. She's she's really cool. Mm. Uh, Ask a Mortician does some really interesting videos on death, dead people, the death industry. <laughs> as you would expect from someone called Ask a Mortician. Mm. And are they uh, a... So are they... Wait... A mortician is different to a pathologist. Yes. Okay. Uh, she runs a funeral home. Oh, yeah. Whereas a pathologist is different. It's yeah. like autopsy stuff. Autopsy stuff. Yeah. Whew. I'm kind of like, I'm going, I really want to watch that. And then I'm going, do I? Because I, I watched, um, you know, there's a new series on Netflix, Juon, that's kind of like related to The Grudge recently. Oh. I watched it with my friends and I don't I, usually watch I spooky stuff. I wouldn't say her stuff. Is, I say her stuff is... It's death positive. Cool. <laughs> so it's like demystifying, but it's not gory. Mm, yeah, I guess I don't really watch horror stuff, and I will admit, haven't slept the best couple of nights. Yeah, uh, I'm in my apartment on my own because it's locked down, and uh, anytime I heard like a tap tap noise, I was like, oh. I'm, no, it's fine, it's not the ghost, it's fine. Yeah, so <laughs> hey guys, lockdown was fun. How are your lockdowns out there? <laughs> yeah, and it's, is lockdown over or not? I, I don't know. Because here in Ireland, things are things are opening up. Touch wood. Touch wood. Mm. But there's still a like thing like I'm saying, like, if you can work from home, do work from home. Yeah. You have to wear masks on public transport in, in like, shops, shops and well. things. So wear a mask. And wash your hands. Wear a mask, wash your hands, <laughs> Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Those are three things to remember. Yes. And with that. With that. Oh, yeah. Um, if you uh, if you want to tell us your Apple stories. Yes, please. Please, please do. You can find us on Twitter at Tales Shadows. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Tales from the Shadows. You know what? If you Google Tales yeah. from the Shadows, we're Sounds from the Shadows, yeah, or, we come or, up. Or there's a link in the description. <laughs> yeah. You got this. We, yeah, we're all, we're all over there. Yeah. And we will we will slowly get ourselves back into the rhythm of yeah, getting we, into these podcasts. We've, we've got a Patreon if you really, really like us. Yeah. And, yeah, so wear a mask, wash your hands. Black Lives Matter. Yep. See you guys. Bye. Bye.